So today we're going to be talking about conversion. We've one thing I just kind of want to mention if if um, maybe you're just kind of joining us for uh, this study. We've been going over for several years at this point, thanks to the pandemic, um, the uh, study through systematic theology. And the last several, um, we've been dealing with election. We've been dealing with um, regeneration. We've been spending a lot of time. We spent several weeks um, kind of dealing with election and and. If you've been following through in the book, um, what you'll find is like last week's class, this week's, and um, it kind of picks up. It kind of picks up next week, but but I feel like there are some things that are maybe lacking in these chapters in the book. Um, there there's some lighter chapters, and I think probably the reason for that is. Uh, what Grudem is trying to do is, is he's trying to take what, what oftentimes we speak of together um, and, and kind of break it out into several different pieces. And, and as he does that, that just means that some of the, some of the chapters are a little, a little lacking, in my opinion. Um, this chapter on conversion is, is one of those. Um, a couple of things that if you look through this study that kind of get left out and uh, I think it's a little unfortunate. Like, if you look just at the chapter breakdowns themselves, there's no mention of baptism apart from, like, uh, or there's no individual mentioning of baptism apart from breaking out a, a section on baptism in the Holy Spirit and kind of dealing with um, kind of that charismatic aspect that we find um, in in churches today. And he kind of breaks that out. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it's something that I want to make mention of here as well, because um, in, a, in, a, in a Baptist um, denomination, one thing that we oftentimes tend to do is because we want to um, rightly separate the work of baptism from um, the essential things necessary for salvation is that to do that, oftentimes what we do is we just don't mention baptism at all. And I think there's a, I think there's a great danger in that. And we're going to look in, in Romans and see how Paul actually uses what we see in this act of uh, faithful following after Christ's example in the work of baptism to lay out some really hopeful uh, promises for us as believers who have been converted, right? Who, who are followers of Christ. So um, one of the passages that we're going to read from today, and this is not an uncommon way that you'll see this um, presented in the book of Acts. Um, we're going to be looking, so again, Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at 37, um, 37 through 38 here specifically. We'll actually probably go down into verse 41 here, um, but I want, I want you to pay specific attention to the way that he um, responds to them when they ask, what shall we do? Um, he doesn't... As far as the way that we like to present this, he makes it he makes it very difficult to break the two apart, right? Like one seems to flow very naturally from the other. So um, here we read um, now verse thirty seven. Now when they heard this, they were 
cut to the heart. So they had been convicted. The Holy Spirit's moving in this message that, um, that he's preaching here. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Okay? And this is a, a really important thing that I want us to, to get here. The last two, specifically election and regeneration, when we speak about these things, these are specific works of God and God alone. The power, the control, the sovereignty, God and God alone. When we speak here about conversion today, we're going to be making a step over into our response to this presentation of the gospel. Right? What shall we do when presented with this information about Christ? So when we think about conversion, there's some aspects that I want us to, to, to see here. And, and we've made, I've made a point as we've been talking about these lessons leading up to this, the importance of the presentation of the gospel if we hope for anyone to believe. Right? So when we think about conversion itself, there is a need to have a knowledge of the facts about Christ. Right? But knowledge alone does not save. Okay? There's also a need to have an acceptance of those facts. Right? An acknowledgement, if you will, to the truthfulness of those facts. But knowledge and acceptance of that truth that doesn't that's not conversion okay there's an element that comes in here where our hearts when presented with these truths when acknowledging the truth about Christ we ask this question what's my response what's my responsibility what must we do right what must we do? And what's the preacher's response here? How does he respond to them? Repent. Repent. But, but, he continues, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what must you do? If, if the gospel has been presented to you and in your mind you're like, I see this truth. I acknowledge that this is true. I believe that Christ did these things. What must I do? Repent. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to see as we go and look in John 3.16 um, that anyone who believes, right? That anyone who believes in this work that the gospel is putting forth to us will be saved, right? Belief. But what you're going to find if, if, if you study through the New Testament and you see these calls to faith, calls to belief, you're going to see at times repentance and faith, the repentance and believing used interchangeably. These are, these are not things that can be separated one from another. Okay? If you believe genuinely, you repent. And you cannot repent unless you believe. Okay? So when we read repent here, 
what comes along with that is belief, right? You can't, you will not repent of your sins if you do not believe, right? Because that knowledge of these true things, that acceptance of these true things, that third thing that, that comes along with this is the realization that what I must have is Him. He is the only hope for me. Right? I, you can accept these truths and not rest in Him. Right? You can accept these things as true and want nothing to do with it. Think it's somehow unjust or unfair or unkind or, you know, put in some man-made excuse for why you would not hope in Him, right? But that third aspect, that, that thing that leads us to repentance is that realization that what He's preaching, what we've read in Scripture is true. And part of that is the shortcomings. And to, to just call what our failures shortcomings doesn't do justice to our failures, right? Our failures, to call them shortcomings... Like there's not a there's there's not a word that can describe how short we've fallen from his righteousness. And we come to realize this. We come to realize and understanding what it is that he's done that where I stand is a hopeless state. That if I believe these truths and I accept these truths, then I must Rest all of my hope for everything in Him. And from that, belief comes repentance because we know what we are. We know what we have done. So the Gospel calls us to repent. And what is the response that we should bring? In faith. Repentance. Right? Repentance. I've heard it said, and I think it was, I think it was Paul, Paul Washer um, speaking on repentance in general. Um, how do you know that you believe? How do you know that you repent? And this is, this is a bad paraphrasing. Um, but that you continue in it. How do you know that you're saved? You repented and you continue in repentance. This is how you know. Do you continue in repentance? Do you find yourself drawn by the Holy Spirit when you fail to repent of those sins? Do you continue in belief that Christ is sufficient? Right? Now this happens at first, at that point in time, where we, we speak of it as our conversion. Right? That's our first time that we repent and believe. But it is not the last time that we repent and believe. We continue in this. Right? So he says here, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So repent. And be baptized. What does baptism here represent? Submission. What else? Death. 
Death to who? Our own lives, right? And we're going to see this as we step over into, into Romans in a bit and we kind of tease out this idea that, that Paul's kind of pulls from baptism. So, so we die to self and we're raised in Christ, right? Why do, we, why do we believe baptism is important? Is it important? Do we believe that it's important? If you're a believer, ought you have been baptized? And if you claim to be a believer and you do not desire to be baptized, would it be safe for us to say that maybe you should check yourself there? Right? That you should desire baptism. Right? That if you believe you want to follow Christ, is this true? If you believe in Him, do you want to follow Him? And if He's called us to baptism, why would we reject it? Why would we downplay it? There's, a, some, there's some really important things that we ought to grasp when we see the picture of baptism. Right? When we see it laid out here, repent be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is, what is it symbolizing when you go into the water? A washing away of sin. A death to sin. Now, who comes back from the dead? Christ and Christ alone. So when we're raised, what are we raised in? What hope are we speaking out to the world when we are baptized? That we hope not in our own lives, but in His life. This is that third aspect, that belief, that faith, that trust. We're showing the world that belief when we follow through in baptism. Right? We're showing the world that I believe that this man died and I'm dead with him. My sins are dead with him. And then I will rise. And that I have spiritually been raised to new life now. But that I have a hope for future resurrection in Christ, right? So let's not downplay. Um, let's not downplay baptism. Baptism is uh, so important, um, and like I say, this is something that doesn't necessarily get brought out um, in the systematic theology book um, as he's dealing with conversion here. But I, I do think that this is an an important part of something that follows very naturally from that moment of conversion. Um, flowing into baptism. Um, and we're baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and something that comes af after this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So repent. Follow through in baptism. The Spirit indwells us, empowers us. The same Spirit that brought Jesus from the dead dwells in us, enabling us, empowering us to live lives that we've been called to. He goes on in verse 39, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, to everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation so those who received His word were baptized. 
What did they receive? What was received here? I want us to think about this. So he's presenting this truth about Christ, right? They're hearing these true words. They're accepting these true words. They're receiving this, right? I desire to trust in him. This is faith. This is belief. These together. So all, all here who received were baptized. So was there anyone who received this truth who was like, no, nah, man, not in public because I know what's coming for us? Was there anyone of the thousands who were receiving this on this day who were like, I'm ashamed afterwards, though. I don't want public baptism. No, thank you. Um, because shame, ridicule, I need to keep this on the down low so that my culture doesn't see what's going on in me. Um, is there any of that? Well, is the evidence, it, I guess, would be that there's 3,000 of them that were baptized. Yes. Now, there may have been those that we, we could infer that there may have been those, like you were saying, that could accept in their head, yes, this could be true, this may be true, or I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. The call not only to receive that message, but also to receive, like to accept the call to respond. Yes. Like, there's two two different calls. Yes. To receive the gospel and a call to respond to the gospel. Yes. Receiving it to yourself and repenting of your sins and baptism. Two different. Again, two more. Yes. Two more actual responses. And those and those who walked away on that day, those who there were undoubtedly. There were those who heard it and thought, this is a foolish man speaking, left. There were those who heard it and almost, you convinced me to be a Christian today, right? right? Those, those may have acknowledged the truth of it, accepted it because they saw it, but they weren't going to trust in it. They weren't going to rest in it. They weren't going to place their hope for eternity in it. They weren't, okay? Mm. Yeah. What shall we do? And yeah. the, the response of this entire crowd was we must there's three thousand that said in unison in their hearts we must yes. repent and be baptized today. Yes. Consi Consider the work of the Spirit here to where the gospel is preached, the spirit is moving in unison. Like the other voices are overshadowed by the voices of the crowd that's saying, what must we do then? Right? And what's cool about it, though, is each... Okay, people are there from different cultures, different languages, and all like that, and everyone hearing it at yes. the same time. Yes. No interpretation from... Yeah. Like a, like a work... Is, yeah. He is working... The Holy Spirit is working in. It's a mic drop big time. Yes. For this on the whole thing. All right. So your heart's going to get stirred that much more because you're seeing this dude that's from a different culture hearing it. It's yes. You are. Yes. And so this presentation leaves them wondering what is my response to this? 
What is my response to this? Repent. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God will come upon you. Yes, yes. But in a... Yeah. Yes. The Spirit is is moving. Pricking hearts. Something at conversion. Something more than that occurs, though. Right? Like the Spirit calling and drawing to now indwelling and moving. Like we're animated through the Spirit of God. To live our lives. To live holy lives. So that when I tell you that you can live holy because He is holy, there's that part of your flesh that says, yeah, but, but the Spirit inside you says, I will lead you to that reality. There will be a day where you will be more free. See, when we speak on election, when we speak on these topics in general, we have this concern about our, our Christian liberty, our freedom. Am I free or am I a machine? There's, we've got it flipped. We're thinking about it the wrong way. We are more enslaved to our own desires here than we will be there. You will be more free in heaven than you are today. Because those things that draw you back to the life that you once lived will be forever removed from you. The power to live holy is now, if you've you've followed through, if you've repented, if you've believed, if you've been baptized, if you're following in the ways of Christ, you now, as as a convert to Christianity, have the power to overcome sin in your life today. Today. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 5. Flip with me uh, to Romans chapter 5. All right. Romans chapter 5. We're going to be looking. um, We're going to start in 520. We're going to read down through into 6 here. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that sin reigned in so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we're going to speak about justification, sanctification in in a separate piece in this study, but I want us. Um, here to look at this hope that we have for freedom um, from the power of sin in this life. In this life. This is something that as believers, this indwelling of the Spirit empowers us in this. This is something that's different about us when we're converted than before. Right? This is something that the Spirit of God does within us. What shall we say then? Verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might abound? So all this work about the work of Christ, about the grace of God being given to us, and the response that one might would have then is so much being made of this. What then about the law? Um, What then about um, sin? If grace is something to be magnified, then does our sin not... Does more sin not make more grace? And in so doing, does that not magnify Him? And here's where He gives us this little tidbit. By no means. 
right? So we are not to continue in sin that grace might abound. By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? What do you mean? What do you mean, Paul? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? All right. So he's making this parallel. He's using this baptism, and and this is what like one of the reasons that I'm like, let's please not downplay the importance of following Christ faithfully as a believer. the The first way that we can do that, the first way that we can do that, is be faithful and follow Him in baptism. And then think on that. Consider what it is that we're saying publicly when we follow through in believers' baptism. We're saying that we've died to sin. Have you died to sin? Hmm. No. No, we say that we've died and we're in Christ, but do we think about being free to live holy lives because we've died in that baptism, because we've joined Christ in His death? Do we consider that? How can we who died to sin? So in baptism, that, that repentance, repentance is not guilt. Repentance is not remorse. When we think about repentance, what is repentance? It is turning. You're turning from sin to Christ. You're turning from your path to Him. Repentance is a turning, not a sorrow can lead to repentance. But you can have a worldly sorrow that leads you to death. Okay? You, when you turn to Christ, died to sin. Verse 3, chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might, we too might walk in newness of life. So when you're raised in baptism, the representation there is something that's taking place in you. You are a new creature. A new creation in Christ Jesus. You are dead to the sins that ensnared you. Raised to life to walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Verse 6, We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Again, when you think about baptism, when you think about what this represents, do you think about it as being joined with Him in the crucifixion? dead to sin. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be what? Enslaved 
to sin. Sin was your master. When we speak of freedom, when we speak of the freedom of the will, your will was enslaved to sin before Christ set you free, before you were joined with Him in His crucifixion, before you were with Him in His death, before you were raised to new life. But now... You're no longer enslaved to sin. Verse 7, continuing with this baptism analogy here. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Could I put it any more clearly? What occurs for you, believer, when you're converted? When you repent? When you believe? What occurs? You are freed from sin. Do you understand this? that you're dead to sin, that sin's dead to you, brought to nothing, and that you're free to live righteously. Right? Verse 8. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin, or excuse me, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He brings some heavy parallels when he's considering what baptism represents for us. Right? What occurred when you repented, believed. Right? Like these are some heavy, heavy parallels here. And then a command he kind of gives out of this. And this is for, like, when we think about conversion, when we think about this call to repentance, this call to believe, this call to follow after Christ, and we do that first and foremost by following through in believer's baptism, um, let sin, verse 12, kind of as a conclusion from this, um, let sin therefore, let not, excuse me, let not sin therefore, Reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do you hear what what the scriptures have presented to us here? As, As a believer, as one who's been converted, as one who the Holy Spirit indwells, do you consider it true that you're dead to sin? Do you consider it true that you can live holy? Different, set apart. Can you? Now, here's the reality. When I say this, here's what I know happens. Is it's like the asterisk that we put alongside this truth, right? The asterisk is, yeah, but you won't do that until you get to heaven, right? Nobody lives perfect this side. I I feel like when we say it like that, like here's, is it true? Will there be a day on this side that I live sinless? I see you shaking your head, Dustin. (laughs) We continue in belief, right? 
When we, when we turn to Him, we're not turning to Him to be made clean one time so that we go off then and we do it on our own. Right? When we believe in this truth of the gospel, this truth I believe until the day I die. You could not pull it from my bones. It's who I am now. I rest in Him alone. Right? Like we go from a point of what must I do to He is everything that I hope for, dream of, resting. The Spirit does this. The Spirit turns us from enemies to passionate believers resting in Him. I know this reality to be true. I know how much work He must do in me. But the Scripture does not give me that asterisk. It does not give it to you either. It commands you as the one who's been converted to live better. You don't today. Repent. Believe. That's why we're in a constant state of repentance. Yes. This is why that, that, that is the first time that we repent and believe, not the last time. Right? And there are some who preach you repent once. Yeah. And that you have no need to repent. Yeah. You continue in it. Looking forward to this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. You are not a slave to it. You can be free from it. Don't let what happened in the past dictate the way you live for tomorrow, for today. Right? Don't let the patterns of failure then be that asterisk in your mind that says, I can never escape this. No, you are new in Christ. This is something that occurs. This is what baptism is symbolizing for us. When you repent, you continue in repentance. There will be progression in your life. There will be. There must be. Here's what I'm telling you. There's a lot of work to be done in me. There's a lot of work. The work to be done in me requires something more powerful than me. The work to be done in you requires something more powerful than you. This is why when we look here and, and we see this call, what must we do? What shall we do? Repent. Be baptized. The Holy Spirit will come. You have life in Him alone. And He will finish this work. He will finish this work. Yes. Yeah. He will finish this work. Yeah. It's like we have everything we need to live a godly life. And I think that's why it's so important to always rest in grace yeah. as the strength that we have to walk by faith and not the flesh. 
He will finish it. Without question, the work that Christ has begun in us will come to completion. Let not your failures and patterns of failure sit on you as though you were who you were before you were converted. Okay, before you were converted, indeed you were enslaved, right? Indeed, you were enslaved. There was no hope for you to overcome the sin in your life. That is not what Scripture speaks of us after we're converted. Okay? After we're converted, Scripture speaks to us as though it knows who we will be. And it speaks to us in, 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 a, in a certainty here. He can say, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. You cannot say that to someone who has not been converted. They are slaves to sin. Slaves to sinful passions. But to a believer, to someone who is walking in faith, I can say to you, be free from that sin that binds you. Because it does not bind you. You think that it does. If you were a believer, walk in faith. You are dead to that sin. That sin is dead to you. The power that it had over you is lost. It's lost. Yeah. Yeah. It d- right. That's not what Scripture tells. Like, it is. It's so difficult because we have ingrained in us so deeply this idea that we can't, that we don't move forward in faith because of it. True, you can't. But the power of God that raised dead, Christ was dead in the grave. And He was raised to new life by the power of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit that moved over the waters, right? The same Spirit. You are not indwelled by some incapable Spirit, but an all-powerful Spirit who will, who will, and on that day when we all look at one another and we're like, it's happened. We're here now. We will, we will look to God and the work of the Spirit in us knowing that He set us free and that He did complete this work in us. Conversion is the beginning of that. That's where we repent, we believe, we follow through in baptism and we continue repenting, believing, reflecting on what Christ has done, what He continues to do in us. We're in there today. I was hoping to get um, to John 
chapter 3, 16 through 21. I would ask that you go read that. Look here at the way that it uses the word believe. Um, so I, I just wanted to point out in that, in that text that um, repentance and belief seem to be um, so tightly intertwined that um, if you see belief that's a, a belief to salvation, repentance is with it. And if you see repentance, belief is with it. Um, so we'll, we'll end there, and next week um, we will be picking up um, with justification. Um, I'm going to close this out in prayer, and then we will dismiss.